0: Thank you so much for being here tonight psalm 43 and we're going to read verses 1 through 5 we'll read the entire psalm here and uh and then we'll get into the message tonight the bible says in psalm 43 verse number one judge me O god and plead my cause against an ungodly nation O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man for thou art the god of my strength why dost thou cast me off why go i mourning because of the oppression of the enemy O oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Let's have one more quick word of prayer. And by the way, I know that if there's anyone here that's supposed to be part of the discipleship program, y'all are supposed to be gone. Amen. So if you're in the discipleship and you're here and your partner's here, get out of here. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, dear God, for your love and your care for us. Thank you, Lord, for once again, the privilege that we have to gather, to worship, to sing praises. Lord, to open your word and to to hear from heaven, literally hear from heaven. Lord, we we pray that that would be the case tonight. Father, we pray that you would uh, help us to remove any distractions from our minds. We pray you forgive us of our sins. Lord, we pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts. Help us, dear God, to become better servants, better children. Uh, Lord, help us to honor you even more tomorrow, tonight. Lord, when we leave this place this evening, this gathering, may we be better, may we be stronger, may we be more spiritual because of what we experience here tonight. We do love you and thank you for your goodness in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And um, if you will, uh, pray for Ms. Marcia. She's, she was going to be here this evening, but she's also uh, not feeling well, so just want to mention that. Psalm chapter 42 and Psalm chapter 43, uh, m- some scholars believe that they should have been placed together. Now, you know that obviously every word of God is pure and every word of God is inspired and preserved for us. Uh, but the chapter headings and the chapter markings and the chapter divisions are not inspired. And so uh, some say that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 uh, should be one psalm. Uh, no one knows for sure who exactly wrote this particular psalm. Uh, in in the heading of Psalm 42, we see uh, in the heading it says, uh, To the chief musician for the sons of Korah. Uh, You see no heading in Psalm 43, and then you see the same heading uh, in Psalm 44, to the chief musician for the sons of Korah. So it appears as if uh, they could be together. As a matter of fact, even the theme of these two psalms are very similar. Uh, In Psalm 42, we see the skeptic criticizing the believer. The skeptic criticizing the believer. Uh, He asks in that psalm, where is thy God? The skeptic. Uh, and then in Psalm 43, we see the people of God are being criticized and they're being attacked by an ungodly nation. So similar themes in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, whether or not they belong together is irrelevant. That's not the, the point tonight. Uh, but we'll, we'll look at Psalm 43 and see if the Lord uh, can encourage us. The title message this evening is give none occasion to the adversary. Give none occasion to. To the adversary. Let me ask you a question this evening. Uh, by a raise of hands, I'm asking you to participate. How many of you have ever had someone that you would consider to be your enemy? Someone that dis- doesn't like you or you don't like them for whatever reason, whether it's a good reason, bad reason. We've all had someone. Thank you for participating. We've all had someone that either didn't like us or we didn't like them. Okay, let me give you a personal example. When I was nine years old. Uh, my mom and my three sisters and I moved from Baltimore, Maryland to Bronx, New York. And uh, we're all familiar with New York City around here for the most part. And in Bronx, New York, is really tough. It's a tough area to to live in. And I remember I was nine years old. I would go out. We lived in an apartment building on the sixth floor. And I would go outside, as a nine-year-old boy would do, to play. Right? That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to play, find some friends, get together, play some games, have some fun. Uh, Well... The older kids in the neighborhood, the older kids in the building and the other buildings across the street, uh, the teenagers, uh, probably 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, they decided that they wanted to see uh, little 9-year-old Pedro uh, and, and little 9-year-old Michael Roper get into a fight. So there was this little 9-year-old boy. I, I'm assuming he was around my age. He was similar to my age. He lived around the corner in the building around. The, I lived on this block. He lived on the block around the corner. So he would come around And as soon as he would come around, the the older boys would say, hey, Michael, Pedro said this about you. And hey, Michael, I bet you can, you know, take him. And hey, and they would instigate Michael Roper and I to fist fight. I'll be quite honest with you. I got to the point where this was happening every single day. I started to hate Michael Roper. I wanted nothing to do with Michael Roper. As a matter of fact, I would—I uh, started to hate the teenagers, but obviously I knew that I couldn't fight them. And so uh, I hated the entire situation. I couldn't stand it. I got to the point where I didn't even want to go outside. I'm just a kid. I just want to play games. I just want to have a good time. I just want to enjoy life. And these guys, uh, Michael Roper in particular, uh, he enjoyed it. He, he got a kick out of it. And, 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 and we would fist fight, and, and it would happen every single day. And it, it, it got on my nerves, to be quite honest with you. I didn't enjoy that time. I remember when I was right around 13 years old, from the time I was 9 till the time I was 13, we were in New York City. And then we moved back to Baltimore, and we were there. Again, I'm a very simple person, okay? I get up, I eat, I go play, I come back, I eat more, I go play. That's what I used to do as a kid. That's all I ever wanted to do. I didn't want to start any trouble. I didn't want to have any trouble. I just wanted to have an enjoyable time. So I would go to the Patterson Park Recreation Center. Uh, we live uh, near Patterson Park. Uh, that's the area where Trina and I plan to plant a church uh, in 2022, uh, back there where, where we spent most of our, our young lives. Anyway, I would go to the Patterson Park Rec Center. And at the Rec Center, I would play ping pong, and I would shoot pool, and, and I would play foosball, and, and, and we would have a basketball leagues, and I would play basketball, and, and we would have a wiffle ball league. And I, mean, I loved the Patterson Park Rec Center. I spent many, many, many hours almost every single day at the Patterson Park Recreation Center. I I remember uh, the times there. I remember the fun there. There was one instance, however, where there was a fellow that was in the Patterson Park Rec Center as I was there, uh, as I was just minding my own business, trying to have fun, uh, trying to enjoy my time as a kid, to be a kid. Uh, And this particular individual decided that uh, he didn't like me for whatever reason. Uh, he, uh, uh, he decided that he was going to bully me and he was going to pick on me and he was going to start a fight with me. And, and again, uh, I, I'm minding my own business. I'm doing my own thing. I just want to play. Uh, well, he wouldn't quit. He would not quit. He wouldn't let go. He wouldn't stop. Uh, and eventually, you know, you know how little kids do, you know, they, 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 they do the shoving thing, you know, uh, start shoving. You ever had someone do that? Uh, you know. And he's doing this thing, and and finally, uh, as we're leaving, the recreation center is closing. Uh, he's he's mouthing off. He's talking trash. He's questioning my masculinity. You know, at 13 years old, right? I'm I'm as masculine as I can get, man. I'm you know I'm like 120 pounds soaking wet. You know, like come on, right? And I wish I was 120 pounds now. Anyway, um, I'm like I'm hundred pounds now. Anyway, so. <laughs> So he was questioning this and he was calling me names and, 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 maybe even, I don't even remember, talking about my mama and doing all this and doing all that and finally something in me snapped. I mean, this, this is the only time in my life where this has ever happened. I literally think I went crazy. I got so angry and so, and I'm not saying this is right, okay? I, I got so upset, I snapped. And I, and listen, MMA didn't even exist back then. But I did some kind of MMA move on this guy. I have no idea what I did. It had to have been a miracle for me. I had this guy in a chokehold, and I was squeezing for dear life. That's how mad I was. This kid was turning every shade of red, and, and and I'm telling you, if if they had not pulled me off of him, I probably would have killed that young man. It, it was scary, and and I, I as that's not who I am. That's not the type of person. But he pushed me so far and so hard that it just it turned me into a monster and I never ever want to see that 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 version of me ever again Uh, that's the one and only time in my life where I I literally lost it on another human being now all of us we rose our hand and said we've had at least someone in our life that has pushed us that has hated us that has been contrary to us. That has been adverse towards us. Listen, every single one of us has that. The person that wrote this psalm, this uh, Israelite, this Jew, is saying, "Lord, they're attacking. Lord, uh, they're doing this. They're they're speaking evil. They're slandering. They're they're doing all kinds of things to us. Lord, please, we need your help." You see, Nehemiah had a Sanballat and a Tobiah that were his enemies. Elijah had uh, Queen Jezebel that was his enemy. Uh, Joseph uh, had his brothers uh, who were his enemies, and eventually Potiphar's wife who who was his enemy. John the Baptist had Herod's wife who eventually had him beheaded. That was his enemy. And the Lord Jesus Christ had, of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and and the priests. uh, They were his enemies. The uh, disciples, the apostles in the book of Acts, they had the rulers and the scribes. The Israelites had all kinds of nations, almost every nation on the planet at at the time uh, against them, contrary. to them that were their adversaries think about it tonight white oak baptist church who in your life maybe now maybe years ago who in your life you thought man that person just hates me and i don't know why that person doesn't like me and i can't put my finger on it i can't figure out why in the world they don't like me we've all been there and listen we've all not only have we been there more than likely we'll be there again Because this is what happens in life. Uh, uh, We are going to offend each other. Unfortunately, sometimes I offend people uh, by mistake, not even on purpose. Uh, It just happens. So how do we respond? How do we respond? Let's look at point number one. We see the antagonist. The antagonist. The antagonist, that one that hates us, that one that's attacking, that one uh, that, that can't stand us, that one that's uh, throwing all kinds of slander our way. How do we respond? We are to give none occasion to the adversary. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 43. Verse number 1. The psalmist writes, he says, judge me, O God. He didn't say judge them, O God. He didn't say attack them. He didn't say straighten them. He says, Lord, if there's something in me that I need to fix, Will you please help me see it? Will you please help me see it? What do we normally pray for our adversary? Lord, I pray that they see they're wrong. I pray that they wake up and and realize what they're doing. Lord, isn't that how we normally pray? I know I can't be the only one. That's how I pray. Lord, open their eyes. Enlighten them. Help them to see that this is wrong. They shouldn't be doing this. But the psalmist, he says, Lord, judge me. Not judge them. Judge me. Look at verse 1. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Now, of course, in his prayer to God, he says, Yes, they're deceitful. Yes, they're unjust. And yes, uh, they're ungodly. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he's saying, Lord, help me to correct what I need to correct and help them to correct what they need to correct. It's not only a prayer for them to fix them, it's a prayer for the psalmist to fix himself or herself also. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we pray that. Now, um, if you've ever felt like you needed God to answer your critics, if you've ever felt like you needed God to fight a battle for you, then you know exactly what this person who wrote this psalm feels like. We see the antagonist. Uh, Lord, I-, I need your help, not only for them, but for me. Lord, please, letter A under point number one. We see the psalmist's devotion. The psalmist's devotion. Uh, Look at verse number 2 of Psalm 43. The devotion. The devotion. Psalm 43 and verse number 2. He says in verse 2, he says, For thou art the God of my strength. Thou art the God of my strength. Lord, I'm trusting in you. Lord, my strength is in you. Lord, I'm claiming Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ Christ which strengtheneth me. I can, I can. I can forgive. I can overcome. I can not have hatred in my heart. I can because, Lord, you are the one that gives me the strength to be able to do that. You see, this person knew that any strength or energy that he had came from God. He was devoted to God and he knew that God was devoted to him. Uh, we see the psalmist's devotion. Let's look at letter B. We see the psalmist's doubt. The doubt <laughs> i don't know about you uh but i really can empathize with the psalmist here the writer here uh, look at verse number two one one more time verse number two for thou art the god of my strength i can forgive i can get right i can fix this by your strength <clears throat> excuse me by your strength why dost thou cast me off why go i a mourning because of the oppression of the enemy notice he says in one phrase, he says, you're my God, you're my strength. And then the very next phrase, he says, uh, are you there, Lord? <laughs> Lord, uh, I don't sense you. I don't feel you. What, what's happening? What's ha-? you, you ever been there where, where Lord, I, yes, I got the victory. And then, uh, man, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Lord. I don't know what to do. Has anyone else ever been there? I've been there many times. Like, yes, okay, I see a breakthrough. This is going to work. It's going to be and then then uh, Maybe not. I don't know. He starts to doubt. He starts to question. Uh, He starts to feel maybe a little insecure. And he starts to think, uh, well, Lord, are you really there? Are you really there? Listen, the greatest of Christians have doubts. The greatest of Christians have doubts. All of us have doubts. Uh, We all, at times, have our faith waver. A little bit of uncertainty is natural with faith. It's a part of faith. Uh, because we know that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the ev- evidence of things not seen. So yes, there's a, a little element of doubt, a little element of, of, of losing, you know, not understanding and saying, I'm not sure, I'm not 100%, Lord, I think you, I, you're going to deliver me, I think you're going to fix this problem, but are you really? Are you really? Hey, listen, it's not, it's not a sin to doubt, but it is a sin to disbelieve. Y'all with me tonight? Everybody awake? It's not a sin to doubt, but it is a sin to disbelieve. Anything that is not of faith is sin. It's sin. So it's not about, uh, whether, you know, it's not about us questioning uh, God, uh, it's about us questioning ourselves. Because if you remember uh, the man that had the son that was demon possessed, uh, he brought his son to the disciples and he asked them, Would you please heal him? Would you please deliver him? They could not. Uh, And then he brought him to the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, and he says to the Lord Jesus Christ, in Mark chapter 9, and verse 18, uh, talking about his son, he says, "...he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not." The Lord Jesus Christ turned the tables on him, he said, because he asked the Lord, he says, "...if thou canst do anything..." If thou canst do anything, will thou heal my son? Lord, if you can do it. Lord, I'm not sure, but if you can do it. I'm hoping you can. Can you do it, Lord? If, if, if. He's doubting. The Lord Jesus Christ turned the table on him. In verse 24 of Mark chapter 9, uh, verse 23 rather, the Lord said, if thou canst believe. It's not about whether I can do it. It's about whether or not you believe I can do it. It's not about whether I have the power. It's about whether you submit to me as the, the one who has all power. It's, he turned the table. Listen, the, the, the doubt is not on the Lord's power. The doubt is not on the Lord's ability. The doubt is in us. He says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And we know verse 24, the famous verse we quoted, quoted all the time, and he, the man, straightway, the father of the child, cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but I'm still doubting. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, I do believe, but man, there's still, a, there's still a percentage of doubt. There's still this little crevice of doubt in my mind, and my heart. Lord, please help me in spite of my doubt. Listen, Christian, I'm here to tell us tonight, I'm here to remind us, I think Psalm chapter 43 reminds us that we are to, we are to quit doubting our beliefs and believing our doubts. Let me repeat that. We need to quit doubting our beliefs and we need to start and, and believing our doubts and we need to start believing our beliefs and we need to start doubting our doubts. Y'all with me tonight? Let's quit believing the doubts. Let's quit uh, believing. Listen, because it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how I feel. Uh, It doesn't matter uh, what our emotions are. It doesn't matter if we're up, if we're down, if we're in between. It doesn't matter because God uh, is good and God is right and God is all powerful and God is unchanging and God loves you and God will bless you and God will provide for you all the time, regardless of how you feel regardless of what your emotions are telling you, regardless of what your flesh is saying to you. So we see the antagonist. Let's look at point number two. We see the appeal. The appeal. We see the antagonist, and then we see the appeal. Look at Psalm 43. Look at verse number three. Look at verse number three. Now the psalmist is still hes still conversing to the Lord. He's still saying, Lord, I need your help. He says in verse three, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. He asks God to help him. He says, Lord, help me to, letter A, help me to want your word. Help me to want your word. In verse 3 he says, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them lead me. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And he's saying, Please, I pray that you help your word to lead me and that I would submit to that. Listen, if you're anything like me, reading the Bible regularly, faithfully, consistently, daily, man, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Is anyone else willing to admit that? It's a struggle. It's a struggle that we need to be battling. It's a fight that we need to be engaged in. Now, don't quit. Don't give up just because it's a struggle. But understand, it's going to be a struggle. Uh, Pastor Jeff Owens, uh, in in the first chapter of his book entitled Character, he wrote this, and I quote, he said, about half of the time I do not enjoy reading my Bible. About half of the time I do not enjoy reading my Bible. And I thought, well, what's he talking about? What's he mean by that? What he meant by that statement, he clarified it as he continued to write. Uh, He clarified the statement. Uh, What he was saying was that initially his Bible reading is a chore. It's a drudgery. Halfway through as he's reading uh, his allotted passages for that day or for that morning, whatever, he begins to really enjoy what God is saying to him. And by forcing himself to read when he doesn't feel like reading, his Bible reading eventually becomes more pleasant. And I can say amen to that because I've experienced that same thing in my life. There are times when this flesh does not want to pray. This flesh does not want to read the Word of God. This, can I be honest with you? A- a- and I'm a preacher, okay? There are times when I don't want to go to church. Ooh. Oh, ho- ho, wait a second. What you talking about? Can you believe that? I mean, that's, that's unfathomable. This flesh does not want to go to church sometimes. Now, there's many times, most of the time, I'm excited. I can't wait. Man, let's go. We're going to praise God. We're going to hear the Word of God. But there are times where I'm just like, man, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not feeling it this morning. Man, I, I just don't want to. Uh, or maybe there's someone that, man, I just don't want to see so-and-so. Or I just don't want to do with this. And Man, i got to deal with this over here. And I don't want to deal with that over there. And listen, uh, the flesh will fight you tooth and nail to get you to stop doing what is right and what is best for you. Listen, uh, can we say, like Psalm 19, verse 9 and 10, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Are are we there? Uh, Is Bible reading that important to us? Can we say, like Psalm 119, verse 24, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And we say, I know we struggle, but man, we, we should have an appetite, a desire for the word of God. Now, again, let's, let's make sure we, we, we clarify here. I'm not talking about having a desire for the preaching of the word of God, although that is good. That is important. I'm not talking about having a desire for a well-written book about the word of God, although that is also not bad. I'm talking about having a desire and an appetite for the word of God itself the scriptures uh, do we enjoy reading the word of God Psalm uh, excuse me Proverbs 13:13 13, 13, the bible says whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded Christian I'm going to ask you do you enjoy reading the bible tonight hey let's make sure that we're we're tempering our spiritual taste buds with the right appetite. With the right appetite. Reading the word of God. He says, Lord, help me to want your word, Let her be. He says, Lord, help me to worship you. Help me to worship you. Look at verse number four. Verse number four of Psalm 43. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon, here's, here's the worship part. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee. Oh, God, my God. I don't know about you, but when I think of a harp, that just sounds like a sissy instrument to me. Are you all with me? The sound, it's like, like oh, who wants to play that? Right? Uh, so so you got to understand, okay? i played trumpet since I was in elementary school. So we, we trumpeters, we brass instrument players, we say, brass is class. By the way, you know, when the Lord Jesus comes back, he's not coming back to the sound of a harp. Guess what he's coming back to the sound of? a trumpet. Aha. See? Trumpet. Amen. Anyway, uh so needless to say, regardless of what instrument he was playing, regardless of uh, how he was worshiping, regardless of what song he was singing, regardless of how he was, praise God, he was singing praises to God, he was singing praises to God. He was singing praises to God. Let's make sure that we have our heart tuned into the word of God and into the worship of God. It's all about our appetite. It's all about what we desire. Listen to this. This this is an interesting story. When I read this, I was shocked. I said, there's no way. This can't be true. But sure enough, it's true. Uh, This guy named Michael Lotito, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I think it's a French guy, so who knows how to pronounce that name. Anyway, he has an iron gut, they say. Uh, He is a French entertainer who is famous, listen now, for eating metal, glass, and rubber. I'm not eating metal, glass, and rubber. You with me? This is crazy. I thought this can't be real. He is known as Mansour Mangetout. Uh, Mr. Eat-It-All is what that translates to. He began eating unusual material as a child and has been performing publicly since 1966. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's passed on. I, I believe that's the case. But nonetheless, uh, since 1966, Lotito has eaten, listen now, he's eaten 11 bicycles Seven shopping carts, a metal coffin, a cash register, a washing machine, a television, and 660 feet of fine chain. Now, uh, at the time of the writing of this article, uh, I don't believe that he had done this yet, but I read that later on he had actually eaten, not at one time, uh, over several years' time, he ate a whole single-engine airplane does that sound crazy that's insane i I read i did some more study on this guy and and it it sounded like he had some uh, unusual condition where uh his his digestive system was was like different and can handle certain things and and kind of gave him that appetite uh lotito says it wasn't easy uh eating his first bicycle that's an understatement um he said, I started with the metal and moved on to the tires. Uh, it was really difficult to uh, stay that extra day to finish off the rubber. Uh, metal is tasteless. Well, duh. Uh, but rubber is horrible. Yes. Uh, but none of that can compare with his biggest meal. Here it is. A Cessna. Uh, lotito has eaten an entire light airplane 2500 pounds of aluminum steel vinyl plexiglass and rubber it took him about two years from 1978 to 1980 to completely eat the uh, the airplane Uh, he would cut the metal into pieces about the size of his fingernail and consume about two pounds a day wouldn't we all agree that this guy's crazy he's got a he's got an appetite that's weird that's odd as bad as it sounds, anyway, um, let's keep it clean. Uh, we, this guy has an unhealthy appetite. But you know what? I know of some Christians that have very weird and unhealthy appetites. I know of some Christians who, you ask them, well, you know, I'm telling you, I've I've seen Christians that have been saved 20, 30, 40 years who have never, never one time read the entire Bible from cover to cover. And I think, what are you doing with the Bible, man? Are you not reading it? Like, how long? It, I mean, it took me a while when I was first saved to, to finally get through in a year. It took me several attempts. I'm talking 10, 12. It took me a long time. But once I got through once, I got through many, 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 many more times. Now, I'm not, you know, patting myself on the back. I'm not saying, yeah, you know I me. Mean? All I'm saying is, we need to have an appetite for this book. And if it takes us two years to read it through, amen. If it takes us three years to read it through, Amen. If it takes us five years, we need to be reading the Word of God. We need to be ingesting the spiritual truths and the spiritual principles of God's Word. We look at a guy that eats rubber and metal. We say, man, that's odd. That's weird. Uh, And then I look at a Christian that does not read the Word of God and I say, that's odd. That's weird, man. Something's wrong here. We need to fix your appetite and get it right. Because if you have the right appetite, you'll have the right worship. Uh, we see the antagonist. We see the appeal, and then lastly, number three, we see the answer. The answer. Here's the answer to the dilemma. Uh, uh, this is where we give none occasion to the adversary. This is where, Lord, uh, they're, they're they're attacking me. They're slandering me. They're speaking evil of me. They're they're saying things that aren't true about me. Lord, they hate me without a cause. Lord, what's going on? What do I do? Here's the answer. Number one, letter A under point number three. Declare the problem. Declare the problem. Look at Psalm 43, look at verse number 5. Verse number 5. Verse number 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Again, he's he's cast down. He's discouraged. He's despondent. Uh, he's he's maybe in a little maybe even a little bit depressed. And and he's man, uh, I can't understand what's happening. What's going on? Listen, sometimes our doubts will get the best of us. That's when we have to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to believe uh, the truth. I'm not. I'm going to doubt my doubts and believe my beliefs. I'm not going to believe the doubts. You see, the problem is sometimes we're just too intellectual to believe. We get to the point in our Christian life as Christian adults where we try to outthink God. In the process, what we end up doing is we outthink ourselves. We need to return to that simple childlike faith. Luke chapter 18 and verse 16, uh, the last portion of verse 16 and verse 17, Suffer little children to come unto me and for, forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. When we got saved, we believed by faith. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, we put our faith in in, in Him and in His finished work on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection. We believed it. We didn't understand it all. We didn't understand all the the profound doctrines of justification and and glorification and and sanctification. We didn't know what any of those things were. We didn't know uh, uh, the book of Job from from a a, a person, you know, a job that we go to. We didn't know that Genesis was the first book of the Bible. We didn't know anything of these things, but we believed the Lord. And we trust in Him by faith. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, Colossians says. I heard a preacher say this. This is a very uh, profound point. He says, if you try to understand salvation before you're saved, you'll lose your soul. If you try to figure it out, you'll lose your soul. He went on to say, if you try to understand God after you're saved, you'll lose your mind. You'll lose your mind. We'll never be able to understand everything about the Lord. But the things that we can understand, we can place our faith and trust in. Declare the fact that, Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I'm having a hard time. Uh, Lord, I should be believing. Instead, I'm doubting. Lord, please help me. Uh, letter B, under point number three. First, declare the problem. Then, depend on God. Depend on God god in verse number five he he the psalmist says uh, i'm cast down the psalmist admits i'm depressed the psalmist admits i'm doubting uh, he says man why art thou disquieted within me uh, he goes on to say it says in verse five why art thou this uh cast down on my soul why and why art thou disquieted within me the next three words says hope in god hope in god uh, you know what the uh, the charismatics, you know, they 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 say, well, you know, uh, you you're not delivered from that that besetting sin, or you're not delivered from that sickness because you don't have enough faith. You gotta have more faith, and and you gotta have bigger faith, and you gotta have stronger faith. And and you know, I start to think, man, they got faith in faith, they ain't got faith in God. Because all they're talking about is I gotta increase my faith, and I gotta have more faith, and and listen, the Bible tells me I gotta have the faith of a little child. He says I need the faith the size of a Mustard seed, just a little tiny faith. That's all it takes. It doesn't take this big mountainous type of faith. Uh, and, and I preached this here one time before uh, in that particular passage where uh, he said, "If you have uh, the faith as the size of a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed, you'll say that this mountain be thou cast into the sea, uh, and, 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 it will, and it will happen." And we got it backwards. We say, "Well, if I got this mountain size of faith, I can move this little tiny mustard seed." That's how we, we got it flipped. Y'all with me tonight? We got it backwards. God says you don't need a ton of faith. It's not about how big your faith is. It's about how big your God is. And your small little tiny bit of faith in your big God, that's what will make the difference. Realize that we worship the God of the universe. Realize that we're serving the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Uh, Rest in that. Trust the Lord. He will take care of you. Listen to this story. One tribe of Native American Indians had a unique way of training their young boys. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, he was blindfolded. He was taken into a thick forest, uh, and he was left there to spend the entire night alone, by himself, 13 years old, in the woods. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and his tribe. Uh, But on this night, on his 13th birthday, on this night, he was taken miles away from all he was used to and all that he was familiar with. Uh, This was done to train him to overcome his fear of the woods and everything within the woods. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of the woods by himself all night long. And you can imagine what was going through this 13-year-old boy's mind. Every time a twig snapped, he probably thought that a wild animal was ready to pounce on him. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind would blow, he wondered what was lurking in the distance. Uh, It was a terrifying night for these young 13-year-old boys. After what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight peered through the forest. Of course, the young man didn't sleep a wink that night because he was too terrified. And looking around, the boy, he saw flowers, he saw trees, and he saw the outline of a path. Then, to his surprise... He saw the figure of a man standing just a few feet away. This man was armed with bow and arrow. This man was the boy's father. The boy's father had been there all night long, ready to help if the circumstances demanded. But that boy didn't know that. That boy didn't realize that his father was right there the whole time. I know a lot of Christians that live their life that way. Every little problem. <laughs> Uh, every little thing, oh, what's, what's, what's going to happen? Every little thing, oh, Lord, what's Oh, uh, uh, I, I, we're not going to make it. Oh, Lord, we're going to collapse. We're going to crash. Oh, what's happening? Ah! And the Lord's there the whole time saying, I got you, son. I got you. I'm right here. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Even if you can't see him, even if you can't feel him, even if you don't know he's there, I'm telling you he's there with you, for you, and he will get you through. Stop worrying, stop stressing, stop doubting, uh, Stop going through the wringing of the hands and, 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 and getting ulcers in your stomach and, and gray hairs over on your head. I guess I shouldn't talk about that anyway, but uh, don't, don't be so stressed out. He says, "Be careful, uh, be worrisome, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto the God of heaven, the one who loves you, the one who died for you, the one who saved you, the one who's building a a mansion in heaven for you, the one who will never leave you or forsake you. Man, tell Him! Stop worrying. Stop stressing. Stop wringing your hands. Stop acting like you uh, whatever you do will eventually fix the problem. It won't. It won't fix it. Our faith in Him... That's what we need. Rashawn Salaam won the Heisman Trophy in 1994. He was an outstanding running back in college. I remember watching him play. He played for the University of Colorado. Uh, but in his rookie season, he played for the Chicago Bears. Uh, the NFL defenses discovered a weakness in Rashawn Salaam's game. His weakness was that he was prone to fumble the football, drop the football on the ground, which, which is a no-no uh, for a running back. Although he led the Bears in rushing yards during his rookie season, he gave the ball up in a fumble to an opposing defense nine times he fumbled the ball. The coaches made a practice drill, especially for Rashan Salam, to fix his fumbling problem. They would, take, uh, they would tie a long strap around the football, uh, and they made him hold on to that football and begin to run. As Rashan Salam ran with that ball clutched against his chest, another player ran behind him holding on to that rope and he was yanking and pulling and yanking and pulling. As he was running, he would yank and he would yank. You know what Rashan Salam began to do? Hold it tighter. Hold it tighter. Hold it closer. I mean he was devoted, he was determined. Uh eventually uh, he didn't make it very long in the NFL due to injuries and of course his fumbling problem. But listen, listen to the listen, catch the, the, the uh the, the point of the illustration. When the devil is yanking, when the devil's pulling, when the circumstances are trying to yank your faith from you, when when your problems in your life are trying to make you fumble, when when your situation at work is trying to make you mess up, and when everything around you is getting trying to get you to fumble, man. That's when you need to hold on to the Lord tighter, stronger, closer. That's when you need to say, Lord, I need your help. I need you more now more than ever. Lord, please help me. That's when you need the Lord even more. Letter A, declare the problem. Letter B, depend on God. And letter C, and lastly, dedicate yourself to the Lord. Dedicate yourself to God. Look at verse 5 and we'll be done. Verse 5, one more time. Dedicate yourself to God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. For I shall yet praise Him. I will continue to praise Him. I will keep on praising Him. I will in the future praise Him. I will... Continue to trust in him and depend on him, not just now, not just through this circumstance, but for the rest of my days, for the rest of my life, for the rest of my time on earth. Listen, you're going to go through some stuff. Let's not give an occasion to the adversary. Let's be, let's beware of Satan's devices. Let's understand how he works and know that he's gonna try to trick us. He's gonna try to deceive us. He's gonna try to discourage us. He's gonna try to make us doubt. He's gonna try to make us depressed. He's gonna try to get us, keep us on the sideline. Listen, during those times, hold on to God tighter. Hold on to the Word of God closer. Hold on to your prayer time closer, tighter, more consistently. Man, it's during those times when you're depressed and discouraged, that's when we need to be running to God, not running from God. We need to be going to church, not staying away from church. We need to be running to the prayer closet, not uh, leaving it empty. No, go to the Lord. I'll end with this illustration. A little girl named Anne had been misbehaving all day. She had worn her mother out with her behavior, her terrible behavior. And finally, when her father got home, her mother explained how bad that little Anne had been that day. And at dinner, this is kind of cruel, at dinner, she was forced to eat at a table in the corner all by herself. She watched as her daddy said the prayer before the meal. And after her daddy was done praying, then little Anne bowed her head and prayed out loud also. And she prayed, thank you, Lord, for preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, that's humorous. But sometimes you're going to have to have a table prepared before you in the presence of your enemies. Sometimes you're just going to have to say, Lord, I can't get through this without you. Lord, this is uncomfortable. Lord, this is not good. I don't enjoy this. Lord, I need you right now, please. I'm not saying judge them, Lord. I'm saying judge me. I'm not saying, Lord, fix them, Lord. I'm saying fix me. I'm not saying, Lord, uh, uh, straighten them out, Lord. I'm saying please. Straighten me out. How about it tonight? Let's give none occasion to the adversary. Listen, if someone hates us, okay, I'm going to do the best I can to love on people. I'm going to do the best I can to be kind, cordial, Christ-like, encouraging, loving to as many people as I possibly can. But listen, if someone doesn't like me, what can I do? If I can fix something and change it, I will. But if I can't, Lord, I need you. I need you to keep me strong. I need you to keep me spiritual. I need you, and we need to make sure we give none occasion to the adversary. Because that's what the devil wants. He wants division. He wants destruction. Uh, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's come to do. Let's not let him do that. Let's, let's do like Rashan Salam. Let's take the Lord, and that ball, he took that ball and he held it tight. He wouldn't let it go. He says, no. No, this is, this is important to me. This is what I need. I need the Word of God. I need the people of God. I need the church of God. I need my time with God. I need God more than anything. Why art thou disquieted within me? Why art thou cast down, O oh my soul, hope in God? Let's not have faith in faith. Let's have faith in God. Amen? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we pray tonight... Lord, that you would help us to have faith in you. And Lord, whether it's a lot of faith or a little faith or big faith, Lord, it doesn't matter. What's, what's important is that our faith is in you. We pray, dear God, tonight for whomever might be going through a troublesome time, a, 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 an adversarial type situation. Lord, all of us have been there. All of us will probably be there again. Lord, help us to do the right thing, the spiritual thing, the scriptural thing. And give an occasion to the adversary. Lord, help us to pray for our enemy as you teach us in in Matthew chapter 5. But Lord, help us also to pray for ourselves, to respond correctly, to act correctly. Lord, in such a way that uh, you'll look down from heaven and you will be pleased. Lord, bless White Oak Baptist Church. Thank you again for the time that my family and I have had here. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that this church has been to us. May you continue to use this church and these people... Uh, to reach folks in this community for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, be with pastor as he travels and as he's studying and as he's uh, walking and praying and, and spending time with you. May you bless him mightily. And Lord, be with his family as he's away from them. And Lord, we pray you bless our move this coming Friday. Thank you again for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray.